is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from Cardswire.com, the USA Today NFL Wire site covering the Arizona Cardinals. And with me uh, is Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, SB Nation's Arizona Cardinals site. And this is episode 432. Uh, we are coming up on a little bit of a break. We'll, we're, we'll plan on two shows this week, followed by a week off next week for the holiday. I'm doing some traveling. I have a family wedding to go to. And then, and then you, Seth gets to take a break because um, I will work on the, the 14 opponent preview um, shows over the next month. Before training camp, Seth, we are it. It is that time of year. There is literally nothing happening on nothing happening in the NFL right now. Uh, but we're about a month away from training camp. In fact, one month from today will be the Cardinals' first open practice. Yeah, I mean it's the slow time of the year, but for us and not to complain because we enjoy what we do but it feels like this is the fastest time of year that you're like oh you know four weeks and then it's like oh weeks like that that four weeks is over already (laughs) and Um, then and then the flood of content so we're still kind of fabricating content here there and we'll do that probably on the on the next show as well as we we look around to to off season lists and rankings everywhere, but this show we will dedicate to um, as as we're starting to see around the internet um, predicting starting lineups, um, and and we'll kind of take a look at that. So we'll start uh, with different position groups. There's not a lot of debate debate for much of them, honestly, but there are a handful of ones that that that, that have some interesting insight. Uh, we're, we're intrigued about the linebacker position. I, I kind of talked about um, that on the show that I did by myself last week. Left guard has some intrigue. I have a couple of tidbits of information um, from, I will not say who I got it from because it's someone who was at minicamp and OTAs and, and shared with me some things that are not reportable. So, you know. Yeah, I've got some information with that. Let's start with the with the quarterback position. Is we'll we'll kind of run through the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end because I don't think we're not going to have a lot of bit debate, right? With these, um, the quarterback, we know Kyler Murray is the starter, but we don't figure that Kyler Murray is going to be this week one starter because he's not going to be back. I predict he'll be back by like my my prediction. I think was week six against the Rams was was my prediction and. Or maybe week five. I think week five or week six. I can't remember, but I, I anticipating him missing just a little bit more than the first month of the season. That said, do you think it will be anyone other than Colt McCoy who will start the season as a starting quarterback, barring injury? Yeah, barring injury, I don't think so. But unfortunately. <clears throat> I mean, Colt did get hurt before the season last year, after training camp, after the preseason, and like the first, in like the week leading up to the season, he injured his calf, which caused Cobbs to miss the first month of the year. Well, and unfortunately, uh, it's, you know, not super uncommon for Colt McCoy to get hurt. And that's not a shot at Colt McCoy. That's not 
you know, that's just something that Jess and I have talked about. He's a great backup quarterback if you only need him for a game, maybe two. But those uh, those wheels fall off pretty quick. And not surprisingly, the older he gets, it seems the more apt to injuries he becomes. And so, you know, those situations all kind of play into it. But yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think it's Colt. I don't, I don't think there's any question about it barring him. And it was a neck that was like, it was, it was his elbow, which ended up. So he had the neck at the end of the year. He had the concussion. They held him out in the finale, but there was an elbow issue that he worked through early in the off season. But apparently it wasn't like, it's, they, they said it was going to be minor. going to be limited to the offseason program. There was an article on ESPN. Um, I can't remember if it was by Pro Football Focus or someone that they said he might not be ready for the season. We're like, wait, what? But then he was throwing in, in OTAs and minicamps. So she, it, they were they slow rolled him. They had a plan for him to come back. So, yeah, I, I I'm think, not worried about that. I think the only concern about that is that, you know, arm strength wasn't really – his calling card and if then it was noticeable last year in 2021 his arm strength i was surprised i was surprised on some of the throws and like wait that i don't remember that being i don't remember nfl version of colt doing that and so we'll see you know how that plays out so that could be and again that's injury i mean yeah it's an old injury but it's it's one of those situations where you look at it and you go oh that's injury like that's a third because he's 38 now right like that's a 38 year old (laughs) elbow trying to still throw like a 27 year old like that's that and that happens all the time i mean you know age is undefeated for a reason it's whether it's 38 or you know tom brady at what 48 or 45 or whatever it was 45 it's stupid stupid but uh, my question then is this if for any reason colt is hurt what do you think would be the game plan? Would it be David Blau, Jeff Driscoll, or Clayton Toon? I I would lean towards Blau because I don't think Clayton Toon is going to be anywhere near ready. And I think Jeff Driscoll is kind of an afterthought in this as of right yeah, now. Yeah, he's he's uh, to me he's a camp arm right now, um, which makes sense when you're talking about an old guy and and Colt McCoy like we just talked about and then a young guy in Clayton Toon who you kind of said like I don't know if he's gonna be ready like let's have somebody there just in case um that being said I would not be surprised if it was Toon um you know we're expecting this to be a fairly run heavy offense and so if that is the case, they, you know, Drew Petzing can very much protect uh, Clayton Toon. And, you know, you also get something out of a rookie. And then you also get to see if he's worth, you know, moving on from Colt McCoy from, you know, yada, 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 all of that good stuff. The one thing uh, for me. I would love to just avoid this is Clayton Toon replacing Kyler Murray talk. Cause you know, if he's the week one starter, no matter what happens, 
people be like, even if he struggles some at the start, people will start to think, yeah, just, just sit Murray. Like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't want that storyline to, I don't want to write about it. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk <laughs> about it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's, but that's what people do, unfortunately, <laughs> all the time. So, yeah. So that's what I think will, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I, you know, it'll be interesting just to see how it all unfolds because, like you said, it is such kind of an unknown at this point. Yeah. Running back, that's an easy, like, easy. James Conner, he's the starter because is there anyone else on the roster that could, you could trust as a starting running back? And I think that's a, a, firm, a very, very strong no. Well, and the question, the more intriguing thing about the the running back position is who's the number two, and that's yes. literally that's literally where the intrigue is because, like you said, there's really no question. I I mean, it it's kind James Conner is walking around the facility like a happy happy guy, knowing he's going to get to play a lot, right. But well, and especially in again in an offense where we're expecting to run the ball you know, 500 times this season, you know, as opposed to uh, 400. So it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, James Conner is probably going to get 350 touches if he stays healthy for the whole year. Yeah. Um, the, the question that, and we're just talking starting lineup, but, and we'll talk a little bit. Do you think the backup, like the number two is on the roster? Cause I have a, like, I would think they would go and get a guy. And I know there's people that are like, no, don't run with the young guys, but I'm like, do you really want to run with the young guys? Really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> with no insurance, those, with no backup. Yeah, and I think that's what... I think they're going to go in with the idea of, like, we're running with the young guys until, um, you know, until camp cuts and stuff. That is the one intriguing thing. And you and I haven't had a, the time to really talk about this. It's going to be really weird because I think in week one and two, this may end up being the lineup because those guys, those veterans aren't going to get cut until after preseason now, like after training camp and preseason, because there's only one cut down day now. And so that I think is going to manipulate slash change things slightly. But I think ideally, like you're saying, they would like to see a, a veteran bubble guy come in and be the number two. It's just, when does that happen in the new NFL now? Because that's, you know, we're not talking about, you know, a veteran that like they're like most NFL teams do where they know they're going to cut a guy and they, they're, you know, nice and they give him a couple, you know, extra weeks to go find a team. And maybe that still happens for certain veterans, but I feel like that's going to be less of a thing with the new NFL roster maneuvering things. Now, um, receiver tight end. Do you think – so, I'm forcing. Do you think the Cardinals' base is going to be too wide, too tight end? Yeah, I would think so. But, you know, I think it could also depend on the health of Zach Ertz because I'm not sure – I think if, he'll be back week one, but like I, I as, as a base, I think they're going to go 12 personnel, I think will be the base. Yeah, because look, and, and this isn't a shot at anybody, um, but it's a lot different to do a two tight end set 
when it's Zach Ertz and Trey McBride versus uh, Trey McBride, Noah Togiaya, uh, Chris Pierce, Bernard Sykovitz, Blake Whitehart, or Joel Honingford, right? Like right. all of a sudden you're like, yeah, so uh, we're going to go three wide, one tight, one back, right? Because yeah. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> you know, and, and interestingly enough, you know, if Ertz is for whatever reason slow to come back, is the second starter, if they really do want to focus on 12 personnel, uh, is the second starter uh, not on the roster yet? Those right. are, I, I know, think the the former Phillies guy, the former Eagles guy, uh, Toji, I, I think he would be a solid number two. You know, McBride plays the the big tight end role. Uh, Toji, I more of more of a um, more of a blonker. And I think a receiver. I think you know, I think we can probably pencil in Hollywood and Rondell as the two starters, but that both. Zach Pascal and Pascal and and um and then after the two, I think there's going to be a lot of rotation. But I think the starters will be Hollywood and Rondell. I think I'm pretty sure with that. Yeah, but you know, and I know it's crazy, but don't sleep on Pascal or Wilson getting that second spot. Right, right. I mean, that is true because just because the run they, blocking, right? It. it you know, uh, Rondell is a try hard run blocker. Like he's not avoiding contact like other guys have before. Uh, but you know, at certain points you have to also be realistic about (laughs) their, their size on things. Um, you know, and then, and then, like you said, with, with Brown, he's going to be the guy, like they got to figure out this year if he's worth retaining. Right. So, they're they're gonna push him quite a bit and he's gonna be, I would assume, number number two or three skill guy in terms of snap count on the year. I mean, obviously it won't be Kyler coming back from injury, but I think, you know, it'll be him and and Trey McBride if he's healthy the full year. Um as kind of the the top two guys with maybe Connor you know, sprinkled in as the third, you know, because obviously still running backs aren't going to play as much as the other two. But, you know, I think that's the idea this year. So I'm intrigued to see how it, how it works, because that's a good thing, I think. Coming up next on the Rise Up Series podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Let's move on to the offensive line where we might have one of the more interesting discussions because there's some there's some uncertainty at least one position that's coming next rise up see red we're back on the rise up see red podcast best our cardinals talk on the web uh, talking about the offensive line there are two positions i think we can con- we can comfortably say they're locked in left tackle dj humbries and right guard will hernandez after that there is some debate to be had um like, would you agree, Humphreys, Hernandez? We don't even need to discuss them. I would agree with that. So, right tackle. Right tackle. Do you think it will be Beecham, Paris Johnson, or even maybe Josh Jones? We'll even throw Josh Jones into the mix. You know, I think it's going to be Paris, but I also wonder if that's just wishful thinking by me and that they're going to end up sticking Paris at left guard 
So it, it'll be interesting to see, but I think it's going to be Paris. I think so as well. Um, I honestly, I think that, that Josh Jones's spot is on the roster is really tight. He'll make a really good trade chip, but I don't see unless, because Kelvin Beecham's salary for this year is 100% guaranteed. I don't see how they have, unless one of those three starts at left guard, I don't know how you have all three on the roster. I think Paris Johnson will start at right tackle. They haven't really given him reps at guard. They're repping him at tackle. And I think the plan is, okay, you and Beach will battle. And if Paris Johnson is anywhere close, he will get the playing time. And then Beecham is a swing guy, um, which leaves, or or you could trade it like because he's a veteran. Like he, you could potentially trade him and then ride with Josh Jones, who's a little bit cheaper. But yeah, that I think I think it's be Paris Johnson, the left guard. Here, here's the interesting one. People have been penciling in Paris Johnson as the starting left guard, but uh, and I don't think that's going to happen. What do I, I'm, I'm going to hold back because like I, I want to tell you what I got. On, we we see Darren Ern talk about one guy, um, and there's there's another guy. But who do you think will ultimately be the starting left guard? You know, I go back and forth, but it feels like right now it's leaning towards Dennis Daly, right, of Tennessee. Or of Tennessee, for, formerly, formerly of Tennessee, the guy who played left tackle all last year for the Tennessee Titans and was bad. It was bad, but started every game. But played every game. He's he he. I think he, like I don't remember if he started week one, but he played in every game. Yeah, so we'll see how that all kind of works out. But I think you know I hope it's Josh Jones, but I you know I'm not going to be surprised if it's not. So Dennis Daly. And that's the guy that, that Darren Urban, when he wrote the, his predicting the starting lineup for EasyCardinals.com, he said Dennis Daly because he was out there. He was the first team left guard for the early part of the offseason program. Um, I know a few I know a few media members who were, you know, at practice, and these are things that can't be officially reported. But the guy that was over the over the last part of uh, the OTAs and during minicamp, and the minicamp part to me is a little bit more important because that's the that's the mandatory part. It was another veteran free agent that no one's really talked about, and it's Elijah Wilkinson. Um, Elijah Wilkinson was the first team left guard. He can play guard. He can play tackle. And what's interesting, and and I like, I don't if you remember from early in the off season when we were talking about projections and things like that, because like watch out for watch Dennis Daly with their connections to the team. There's two, like, Daly and Wilkinson are the guys, I think, really are the front runners for that left guard job. If anything else, Daly got a two-year deal. $400,000 of his salary salary are guaranteed. And Elijah Wilkinson, who's on a one-year deal, almost all his base salary is completely guaranteed, 940000 So, just, like, sure, there's a lot of names on, on the roster, you know, that you could go with left guard. You could go with the rookie John Gaines. You could do. You can move Josh Jones there. Maybe I don't know if he's gotten any reps. That's one. I don't know if he's gotten any reps at left guard this off season. You could go with Lucita Smith. You've got Mo Hayes, draft pick from last year. So you've got a lot of options. But I think, like if if I had to, based on what I know as of right now, I think it would be I'm going to lean Wilkinson over Daly 
perhaps. But both but both are actually they're, they're guard tackle swing guys. So you've got like you want your swing tackle can play both tackle positions. Where you if you got Par- Paris Johnson, Kelvin Beecham, Josh Jones, all three of those guys can play both sides, uh, presumably. Then you want a kind of a guard tackle swing. You Daly can do that. Wilkinson can do that. Um, so yeah, that, I think that that's I think it'll be either Daly or Wilkinson, but I'm leaning Wilkinson based on the fact that he was the first teamer at the end of the offseason program, which that's interesting to know because Wilkinson was a very un... Like, it was perhaps one of the least mentioned offseason additions that the Cardinals made. Yeah, it was very under the radar, but and that's not uncommon for these guys now, right, to do it that way. Yeah, well, and it's like... Like Dennis Daly got a lot of attention because he was terrible negative last year. Yeah, <laughs> right? The Titans fans were like, "Yeah, good luck with that." But right. then it was interesting because when they signed him and Jonathan Gannon, he made a comment in one of the press conferences. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm told that he he plays guard better than tackle. I'm like, ding, ding, ding. They're thinking about him for for the guard position. But but then way you've got, and I and at least for the battle, I like what they have for the mix of potential guys at left guard. Now here's the fun part. Center, where really it's only been Yelda Froholt getting first team reps. We we know that that there are, they have a bunch of guys on the roster who can play center but have never done it. Ex- like Froholt's four NFL games at center. No one else on the roster has NFL experience at center. You have John Gaines who played a couple games at center at UCLA. He can do it. We, we trust that he can do it. Uh, Hayden Howerton played center in college. Lasita Smith practiced at center last year, but only played guard when he got playing time. So is it going to be for Holt? Do you predict Gaines with someone else to be uh, the starter? Or is the starter a guy they haven't signed yet? Yeah, it's got to be, right? Like, that's not a shot at Froholt, but if you go Humphreys, Wilkinson, Daly, Froholt, <laughs> you're going to – there's going to be a lot of people that are hitting that under button on <laughs> on the four people and a half games, right? already doing that anyway. <laughs> yeah, and, and I'd like to think and, – and the fact that they brought in Chase Roulier, to me, that is a signal that – they're still looking at veteran starters. No, no matter how much they talk up Froholt, which is all they've done is say good things about him, of course. But by the way, do you think do you think Rulier was uh, ruled out, or do you think it was like, hey, this is our plan. Let us know what your plan is, type of thing? Um. Well, they didn't work him out, so it was a visit. That's what um, I'm saying. Do you think it was more of a? look over since he is a I, I think because if you remember it was about this time of year when Billy Price made his first visit to the Cardinals and they didn't sign him because they didn't want to give him any guaranteed money at all and he ended up signing later um I wonder if it's I wonder if it's like that that they that they want him but they don't want to commit well and I also wonder because he has two injuries oh yeah he he's barely played the last two seasons that they're like Oh, we need to like do a a deep dive into his medicals before we go shopping. Well, and, and that's what I figured. Like, if it was that, I thought they would do a workout. 
Yeah, maybe, but maybe he's not cleared yet either. That that could be it. Um, so, but that so that's the thing. So with with bringing in Rulier, to me that signals that okay, center is still a position of focus. And while maybe the coaches are all, all right with Roholt, the front the the organization, the front office is saying that's not the plan. And and we know there are some names that like the two names that make sense if they're healthy. Rulier, Ben Jones. Everyone else on that, actually, maybe Elf, Pat Elf line, but everyone's old and hurt on that list. of that. I, I wrote about who the available centers are, and it is unimpressive at best. Right, exactly. And not not because they're not, like, Rulier is a, a solid center, but he's played, oh, he's what, nine very games, good. Yeah. only like nine games the last two years. You know, Drew Terrell would know him because they're, they're receivers and passing game coordinator. Ben Jones, obviously, has got many, many years um, starting it has a connection with Monty Austin for it, obviously. But like every other name on the op, like Pat Elfline played some center, started some games with the Vikings when Petzing was there. And so there's some connections, but it's not like, and, and, and Elfline also has injury issues the last three years. So there's not, there's not a player on that list. You're like, Oh yeah, definitely. But would you go with one of them over Froholt? I would say so. And then hope he could fill in or that Gaines has gotten enough reps where you feel good about him um, being in the lineup. Yeah. And that'll be interesting to see if that's how they decide to attack it. Right. If they're like, I mean, let me ask you this. What does that signal to you? If they're like Wilkinson and uh, Wilkinson's not a, like he's not a bad player. Um, that's the thing. Wilkinson's had starting, and he's not a bad player. That's like you feel great about your left tackle position. You feel great about the right guard with Will Hernandez. I think they feel really good about whoever's at right tackle because you either get a really solid vet and beach him, or you get you know a, a potential cornerstone offensive lineman in Paris Johnson. And then you got you got some decent options at left guard, and then center is I don't know I I don't I. For, for a team that really wants to protect the quarterback, run the football, is Yelderfold the guy that you want? I don't know. Right. Coming up next on the Rise of Sea podcast, the best of our Cardinals talk on the Let's talk about the front seven on the defense. That's coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, best of our Cardinals talk on the web. We'll start with the front seven on the defensive front. So basically the defensive line. They're outside and inside linebackers. Um, let's talk. So, schematically, I actually, I actually kind of really liked what Walter Magin. You 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 know that I I kind of chuckle at a lot of what Walter writes. But in terms of this, um, five two four two, and this is kind of a a way to incorporate to kind of use Isaiah Simmons exclusively as a defensive back. But because it kind of looks like a 3-4 defense on paper, which means you have your edge players as outside linebackers, do you think that we're going to be looking at a base defense with a five-man front, a.k.a. three interior linemen and then two edge guys? Yeah, I would think so. Um, but it's, it is tough to kind of grasp what the plan is overall right now because it just seems like there's so many unknowns and most specifically 
what their plans are with some of these uh, young draft picks, you know, yeah. whether especially obviously talking about uh, talking first about Isaiah Simmons and Sam Collins, right? So yeah. what are they doing with those guys and, and how does it kind of fit in with what, personnel they have type stuff but i think i think that makes the most sense and then the question becomes does it mean that we're getting less of isaiah simmons than maybe we were hoping slash expecting that might be so if they end up playing like a big nickel as their base um essentially going with five defensive backs where where Simmons is that fifth defensive back. So you could go with the four man front, two interior, two edge. Um but so so let's talk about the defensive the defensive lineman in terms of two man or three man rotation. Like if if we're going with a base of three or a base of two, who do you think would be the two interior defenders that would be the starters if you're picking just two? Oh man. <laughs> Uh, with this group right now, would you say it's, would you say it's Collier and Watkins or would you say it's, I think so. I think if we're going two, that it's Collier and Watkins. If it's three, throw in the Richard Lawrence. Okay, yeah, and that makes sense. I mean, and then the rest of the guys rotate whatever, whatever. But I, I think, I think they, I think they're gonna try and have Collier, you know, succeed from the interior. He does, based on talent. There is no one with greater talent and upside on that in that entire room, right? Um, he, right. he was just like where he was playing on the edge. He was a really big edge. And so you move him inside, maybe you see something better than what you've got. But, I, you know, if I had to pick two, I would pick Collier and Watkins. Watkins over Lawrence. Uh, Darren Urban picked Richard Lawrence. But Lawrence, is, his durability... And obviously, since he wasn't drafted by the front office, by this unit, like they like him, but I don't know if they love him the way the last coaching staff did. And that's why they went out and got Watkins. And Watkins, of all the defensive linemen that they have, is by far the most accomplished. Well, and that's the thing, too, is I mean, I think that's one of the things that people have to take into account when doing this is that the only guy that you would say is their guy right now is Kaiser white, right? Like on defense, <laughs> like pretty much. Yes. Like everybody else is, they're trying to figure out how to make them work. And that's going to kind of tell us what they are as a coaching staff. Anyways, uh, you know, if they're able to work out guys that, you know, either have not worked out, yet for the Cardinals or haven't reached their potential yet or, you know, obviously weren't drafted by them. However, that's all that's all relevant or relative to the conversation. Yeah. Right? Like, 
who are the players. And, and so that's why exercises like this are fun because we do this in June and then we get to camp and then we do it in July and then we do it in August. And then we see that we were, you know, six for 11, <laughs> you know, or like and, but, but 13 for 13 for 22 overall. And, and we're going with such limited information right now. That's well, 100%. Yeah. So it's just a guess. Uh, outside linebacker, the two edge starting jobs, I think we can I, – I, based on what, we, what we've heard about Zayvon Collins, dude's not an inside linebacker um, on this defense, right? I, I, and so you have to figure that he's going to start on one side at, as an edge defender. And then Cam Thomas will be other with, uh, and I don't know how I don't I don't know how much they love my J Sanders now. The fact that my J was part of the uniform reveal suggests that they still have big plans for him, and the addition of BJ Ojulari as well. But if if I had to pick two starters, I think it would be Collins and Thomas. Yeah, I would think so right now, but you know, not not that then the luckily like on a defense. And the defense, especially along your defensive front, your edge rushers, your your interior defenders, those guys almost always rotate unless you just have a dog that you're not going to take off the field. And while Collins, by the end of last year, was playing every snap, you don't see a lot of edge rushers play every snap because you don't want them wear, worn out. Um, and so, no, they still got to be able to get after the quarterback. Right. Games. So Collins, um, Collins and Thomas make sense. Um, and if you look at if you look at that, if you're looking at outside linebackers, if you consider Collins an outside linebacker, that outside linebacker group is not accomplished. You've got the two rookie, well, two two graphics like Cam Thomas and and Mikey Sanders. You've got Zayman Collins moving over. You've got the new guy B. Joe Jolari, still unsigned, but he should he should participate. Like, he should contribute. I just don't think he'll be a starter. You got Dennis Gardeck and you've got Victor Dimakaji. There's nothing about Dimakaji's career. Like people were excited about what he did in preseason, but look what he did in this. Like Dimakaji's done nothing in his career yet, and, and Gardeck's career on defense was a flash in the pan. Twenty twenty, we haven't seen anything else of. Right, exactly. So you just kind of have to play it by ear in each situation and see how it works out. Let me ask you this: Is a and I know we haven't got to the inside linebackers yet, but is an inside linebacker unit of Kaiser White and Owen Papoa too small? I don't know. But like moving on to the inside linebackers, Kaiser White, you're you're putting in pen. He's their guy. He's their guy. But who is the basically other guy? Basically the defensive captain at this point. Right. Who, like, here's the thing. Who's that other guy? Because we we all thought we thought it was going to be a four three defense, and that we, we we knew the linebackers. It was going to be White, Simmons, and Collins. Simmons is a safety. Collins is an outside linebacker. It appears so now it's White, and I don't know. And here are the options. There's the rookie Papo. Um, I think honestly, because I think White's put on weight, so I, I think there. I don't think that there's an issue now. With because Papo Papo's not small, but you've got in that room now. It's it's unaccomplished. Who's going to play alongside White? You've got Papo, the draft pick. You've got Zeke Turner, 
and Josh Woods, both have basically been special teamers their entire career. And Josh Woods has played, what, 113 total defensive snaps, and he wants to break into that role. And, and maybe Chris that's, Barnes. You know, but maybe, you know, maybe uh, Woods or Barnes is the guy similar to what they were able to do. And I know um, Kaiser White, you know, kind of flash with um, – Shoot the the Chargers, the right? Chargers, like yeah. He, Which is he, why he, he went did, to Philly, and, and yeah, he did flash with the Chargers. You know, after after not really, you know, kind of flailing as a defensive back, and then he had a nice little two year run in in L.A. before going to Philly, and and you know, really showing out last year. Um, so maybe that's the expectation can i also say that maybe that's sometimes the hubris of guys like jonathan gannon and (laughs) and i don't put anybody there right i don't mean it in a negative way but we talked about this right like the two starting linebackers for one of the better defenses in the nfl were fourth round safety kaiser white and undrafted middle linebacker tj edwards and those guys both got paid this offseason right and and so you know is and and you know what if gannon does it and obviously it's the complete opposite approach of what the cardinals have done (laughs) using using elite talent to fill those jobs with guys that end up playing different positions. Right. So we'll see how this all works out, but it'll be interesting because yeah, maybe that's just Gannon, right? He's like, maybe so. Oh, Chris, Chris Barnes or yeah. My prediction then is Barnes. If I had to pick based on the personnel that they have, Barnes is the one guy who's started and played at a high level at a relatively high level in the NFL for a significant amount of time because he was he was a starter um or or was a significant contributor on the green bay defense for his first two seasons in the league and he's also the biggest guy yeah and And, and i'm not saying that's like necessarily a requirement but he's the only 230 plus pound guy I guess Josh Woods is, but you know, again, he, you know, he's never really played like Barnes fits more the TJ Edwards role. Yeah. So, so, and, and has started games, like you said. Right. Right. I mean, it it would make sense. So maybe Collins, but we haven't like, from what we're hearing, Collins isn't practicing with the inside backers at all. If he were getting double work, I'd suggest, okay, in some packages he's going to play off the ball and others he's going to rush from the edge. We do know as well, while Collins played off the ball in college and rushing the passer was not his strong suit, he does fit perfectly the physical profile that the Eagles used with their edge guys. You know, he's 6'4", 260 with that sort of athletic uh, profile. He fits now. the The question is whether he has the pass rushing chops um, to to do that. But yeah, 
It's coming next on the Rise Up Zero podcast. The best our Cardinal stock on the web. Let's wrap this up talking about the defensive backfield and specialists. Not just that we, we know who the specialists are, but who do we think will be the returners? That's coming up next on Rise Up Zero. We're back on the Rise Up Zero podcast. The best our Cardinals talk on the web. Um, the cornerbacks feel up in the air, but they really like. They didn't add anyone this offseason where you're like, yeah, he's going to start. So you've got Marco Wilson, Antonio Hamilton, and Christian Matthew as returners. They came back from last year. And then, like the Nate Harris, the guys that were in the practice squad. I, I don't, I don't want to give them too much. I don't want to give them too much time on the show because we, we don't know what they can do. They drafted two cornerbacks, Garrett Williams and Keetra Clark, and they signed uh, Rashad Fenton, who has some starting experience in his career. If you had to pick, now, if I'm going to predict that they will really only play two cornerbacks. That I think, I think, if I had to guess, that their third, that their nickelback will end up being Isaiah Simmons, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that sentiment. Um, I think what, you know, what I am curious about and I know they can't replicate it just because it's so hard to replicate, but the guys that fit the physical profile are Wilson and Matthews or Matthew, excuse me, Matthew, right? Like yeah. a little bit bigger, longer athlete. Um, Hamilton fits the physicality that they prefer in the corner position. So, you know, I could see him being the guy that similar to what he did with Vance Joseph, you know, kind of endeared himself with the fact that he is. He's, he's for lack of a better word, like the young kids, he's a tryhard. Right. And, and, and he's every year in the NFL, he's had to scrap and battle to make a team. He always feels like he's the last guy on the depth chart. And with that reason, that's how he's managed to give, give himself a mental edge to keep trying because last year was really the first time in his entire career where you knew he was making the roster. Every other team, you're like, maybe makes the special teams guy. But last year, he, he had really, really endeared himself to the coaching staff to the point where like, yeah, you are our, you are our number one guy. You're our number two guy next uh, across from Byron, hands down. Then the then the whole burn, foot burns and things like that and, and things. And then he came to come back and playing not terribly. Marco Wilson though, like he's the one. Like if he could develop into something, that I think is is kind of Steve Kime's success story, right? Because he's the guy that they're like, we love him. We're going to trade up to get him. And the physical profile is is just amazing. The his freshman year was quite good at Florida, and then inconsistency came in. And we've seen flashes of just how good he could be. His rookie year was a bunch of almost, like he like he was there, but he wasn't badly beat, but he's got beat. But they were just, they were bang, bang plays that he just was almost there. Last year, I, I, someone hit me on Twitter and said, you know, lockdown. No, 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 Marco Wilson was not a lockdown corner. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I 
I don't know if there's like I don't know if there's anyone on the roster where I feel confident enough to put them ahead of Hamilton or Wilson. Fenton has some experience, but we have heard like literally nothing about him. Williams is still coming off the ACL. He's not going to have he he'll get to work in training camp, but he hasn't has not had any on field reps yet. And Keytrail Clark, cool, but the stuff we're hearing more about him is the stuff off the field and like you know taking photos and his in his in his sort of mentality and attitude and in the locker room and stuff like that. there's nothing wrong with that. And I know people think that he's potentially a sleeper, but as, if I'm going to pick two right now. I think it's going to be Hamilton and Wilson. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would agree with that. I I think that's what they want. And you know, like I said, they fit the physicality profile that they that they want, which is, you know, Darius. And and by the way, I'm not comparing them to Darius Slay and and James Bradbury, but they they are as aggressive physically, and I think that's one of the big things that they want. In, from their corners in this defense. And it's safety. We know we're going to have Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson. And we know Isaiah Simmons is going to play. It's just a question as to where. I think his role will be slot mostly. What do you think his role will end up ultimately being? Yeah, I think it's going to be mostly out of the slot. Maybe some, you know, strong safety look type of situation. But I think it's mostly going to be the slot and and we'll see how that kind of works out for him hopefully it's it's the fit that he's been looking for do you think though with the specialists it feels like they're they're locked in matt hawk at the punter matt prater at kicker and then with the re-signing of aaron brewer that they've locked him up i know there's going to be a bet i know they'll they'll compete with him and matt hembro uh the undrafted kid of oklahoma state but they brought back brewer for a reason right he was healthy and, and he's only been the long snapper for the last seven years I'm not so much concerned about those. I think we can just lock those in and say we're good. How do you think the return game is going to look this year? Um, I think it's going to be Dorch until it's not. I, I just don't I don't know who else they have. I mean, you know, we could put more there, but I just don't know. Um, I'm kind of looking at the I mean Michael Wilson was getting some looks at I think punt return um I think Keonta Ingram might be able to do kickoffs um right. oh 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 like there's depending on how the right like Amari DeMar- DeMarcado the kid out of TCU I think he's got some returner experience as well um heck like you might throw Keetrell Clark into that mix I don't know right and that's what makes it tough is like we just kind of don't know what they're looking for and so it'll be you know it'll be just kind of interesting how this all unfolds and what they have um but right now i think it's like just based on who we know i would say dorch is the main guy um but you know see yeah it makes sense Uh, in unless unless anything changes there's no reason to to stray from that and with that we will wrap up this edition of the Rise Up to Your Head podcast, episode 432. We will try and get another show later in the week, Thursday or Friday, um, to to kind of do things from there. And then it will be a week off, and then I will start working on the opponent previews. That's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back again soon.
Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Sea Red.